welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is entitled Ox Eye. It is from the album Villagers by Califone, and that is out, if you're listening to this podcast the day the podcast comes out, the album Villagers by Califone comes out tomorrow, May 19th, 2023. If you're listening to this in the future, it's been out for a while. Go fucking buy the thing. It's a great album. I pre-ordered it. I'm getting mine soon. But anyway, my guest today is Tim Rattuli, who is the, the main man of Califone. And this is his second time on the podcast. I am a huge fan, a lifelong fan of uh, Califone, Red Red Meat, his prior band from Chicago. And uh, Tim is a great guy. He did the podcast a couple years ago, maybe three pre-pandemic, possibly. Or right as that thing broke out anyway uh and we became friends we used to get coffee and shit like that in los angeles but now i live in saint paul far far away i have two very special announcements uh real quick one i'm gonna not be able to release the podcast weekly for a while i have uh we moved to saint paul some things are changing i have to do some work stuff I'm not going to have the free time that I used to. Once I get some footing, I hopefully I can bring it back or do it more consistently. But I might be releasing the episodes sporadically here and there. So uh, it hurts It hurts to say that, to not do this every week. But uh, i got to take care of my family. That's how that goes. Also, and if any of you know me prior to the podcast or during the podcast, you'll know that I've always been a writer first and foremost and uh, I started a substack you can go to mattdwyer.substack.com and I put up my first blog which was about how I acquired the touring trunk John Belushi used for the Blues Brothers it's a strange story I have a lot of strange stories I grew up around Second City as a teenager uh, stories involving Chris Farley living with junky blues men drugs you name it there's a lot of <laughs> stuff in in my life. So I'm starting to put them into a blog, and hopefully people read it and appreciate it and like it. I have another one coming out Monday. Uh, that I will be able to do more consistently because I won't have to worry about the schedule and timing of other people. I can just write when I have the availability. Um, and also, go to the show notes. The link to my Substack is in there. Link to all things Tim Rutilli and Califone are in the show notes. Buy the album, Villagers. It's a really, really, really great album. I can't stop listening to it. I recorded this with him about a week ago, and I say in the interview, I can't stop listening to the album. I st I'm still listening to it. And I know you're saying, hey, the album came out, comes out tomorrow, but Tim was kind enough to send me an advanced copy, and it's great. It's really, really, truly great. Um, also, just a side thing, I bought a, in October, I co-produced and um, curated a compilation album with Sub Pop Records and filmmaker Adam McKay, and all the proceeds of that record go to the Climate Emergency Fund. The There's a lot of great bands on there, um, and there's 20, 20 bands, and all the money from that goes to the Climate Emergency Fund, so you should go buy one of those records. Or it's just digital. It's just a digital thing. That being said, let's uh, 
We're going to recap. Go to the show notes. That's where everything dwells. You can go to themattdwyer.com. That is my website. And that is that. Uh, Hopefully I have another episode coming soon. If not, it might be a bit. But still, subscribe. Follow me on Instagram. You can go to themattdwyer.com. Find all things me. And I appreciate it. Uh, And now, please enjoy this great conversation with the great Tim Rutilli. I like it honest, lost in the promised land, so like a pocket calculator, trying on some new names, someday, someday, found my heart, found my heart. I can't stop listening to your fucking album. I can't, and it won't leave my head, and I mean this in all great ways. Wow, that's really, I hope that's good. That's it's good. It's great. Like it is, and I've been sh- telling people to go listen to the singles that are out because I'm like, you have to. This album comes out. Like I can't stop telling people to listen to it because it's that good. Good. Thanks, man. That's great to hear. Do you feel that way about the album, or do you get so lost in the process that you can't tell what is what? Um, I like it, but I haven't really listened. I haven't really listened, you know, like I had to listen to songs to make music videos. Uh, and I didn't listen so much after we finished it. You don't sit down and and uh, listen from top to bottom to make sure it like flows or whatever you would have to do. I did that when we were finishing it a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, since we handed it in, I don't really listen to too much. And now we're getting ready to play some shows, so trying to, like, learn songs. So I'm listening to, like, a song at a time as I, if I need to. <laughs> Does that, it, how is that to revisit songs after not listening to them for a while? Um, well, on this new stuff, it's like, oh, that's going to be fun to play. You know, okay, now I remember. It's sort of a now, okay, now I remember situation. Uh, But I don't know. I have trouble being proud of myself and having to, you know, like I, I, you know how it is. Is that that your Chicago side coming out? It's some kind of psychology that (laughs) doesn't, I don't know if it serves me, but. I like the record. I think it's good. I want people to hear it. So that's a good thing. But I kind of feel that way about all the records. You know? Um, I don't really start to hate them until years later. When I go, if I have to hear it, I go, oh, man. And then I think of all the things that we could have done differently or better. But uh, when they're, I don't think I've ever put out a record that I wasn't like, this is good and I want people to hear it. I, this, I don't, I don't know if this is a crazy statement, but like I was before this, I was just making sure to go back and listen to everything I could find that you've created. And I was like, this Mm -hmm. guy is, (laughs) (laughs) this guy's old. (laughs) He's well, we're, this guy's really, he's older than me. (laughs) I was just really blown away by your body of work and how great all of it is. And I was like, I don't know, man. You're fucking beyond brilliant. Like, it's just really... When you listen to all your stuff, 
like for days on end in a row, it's like, it's pretty mind blowing. Do you not like see like this huge body of work and go, God damn, I, I did something. Uh, yeah, I think I did something (laughs) (laughs) that that just feels like, uh, it's better to sort of, I don't know, man, I'm not like a nostalgia guy. So it's nice to like, uh, know that that stuff got done. And it's also nice to like live in the present and go like, you know, there's still things to like do because we're not dead yet. And we might have another 20 years or so. Yeah. Bob, so. Bob Dylan said like, he, he said, nostalgia is death. And I was like that. And I think he means creative. Like if you start getting nostalgic or about anything, I think it hinders your growth as an individual. It, yeah. And, and memories are salty too. Like, that's why, that's where, that's where the MAGA movement comes from. It's like a faulty memory of something that never was good, you know, like yeah. wanting to go back to like, you know, I was born once just because I was born white. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, you never, ever were important. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. I had to, um, to a degree with my family. Like I moved and I was all nostalgic for my family. And then I came home and I was like, oh, this is why I moved. <laughs> Doesn't that always happen? Yeah. Like going back to your old grade school and you're like, wow, this is a lot smaller than I remember it. Everything seems tiny. But then it's because you were tiny. Yeah. Is that, do you think, because I know you debated about going back to Chicago for a while. Do you think that would be similar because I thought about going back to Chicago too, and I was like, I can't do it. I go back all the time. Like my mom, my brothers, my sister, my kid, my son lives there now. So I go back all the time. Um, I could live there. It's just, I don't know if I, if I want to. And I, I think like when we were looking at places out there, I was like, eh, this sensation of like, uh, Oh, that used to be that. And that used to be that. And that used to be great. And now it's a Chipotle, like (laughs) all that stuff, you know, like, uh, all that stuff is, it's going to pass. You're going to get used to where you live. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just think I, I think Chicago is such a specific time and a place for me and as a young man and I just I don't know I feel like going back to that I I, I love to visit but I don't think I could live there because it would just be I don't know if I could accept what it is now with the Chipotle <laughs> if you like this is a really good taco bowl <laughs> they didn't have taco bowls like this when I lived here before no <laughs> it used to be the busy bee they didn't have taco bowls at the Busy Bee. Was Busy Bee the, the Polish joint? Uh, in it was that Polish place yeah. uh, north in Milwaukee. That was great. Yeah. I, I, I used to... Yeah, I was going to say something that might come off sexist. But I was going to say, you'd look at the young waitresses and be like, boy, they're cute. And then you'd look at their older relatives <laughs> and be like, oh, they balloon. <laughs> these, yeah. these Polish ladies get big. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's... Is that sexist? Where is that? I don't know. It's like we all have a little window. 
You know, we all have <laughs> like our window of looking fantastic past probably when theirs did. Yeah. You know, you eat that many pierogies or gnocchis, you're going to, or it's pierogies. I can't, gnocchis is, pierogies. gnocchis is my people. And yeah, it has the same effect. <laughs> excuse me uh i wanted to i don't know if this i wanted to there's something i've been when i listen to your music i've been i find your guitar playing fascinating and i was curious and i don't know if this is a dull question but like your influences and like where you sort of because it's a I don't know. I love your style and I don't know what you would, what, how you arrived there. Or even if you could answer that. Is that a bad question, Tim? (laughs) I don't know. It's like, uh, I feel like, um, I, a long, long time ago, I kind of hit the wall with, um, cause I feel limited skill wise, but, uh, I started playing around with open tunings and that opened up a whole world of, ways to play guitar that feel like me. Um, and whenever, even now, if I have to put a guitar in standard tuning and play it, I feel like it always like sounds like somebody else playing bad. But, um, I don't know. I, I always liked the way Neil Young played electric guitar and acoustic guitar. I like like Tom Verlaine and I liked, uh, Keith Richards, of course, and how the Does Rolling Stones played guitar. Did he do open tuning, or didn't he start op- doing that like later? I, I think probably he started doing like the there's like the Keith Richards tuning, and uh, I think he probably started doing that around like Beggars Banquet or Let It Bleed, one of those things, yeah. one of those records. You can kind of hear it where the where the stones changed with when he started playing with open tunings more, but I don't know. I still love playing guitar and I'm still finding things. Um, yeah. I, I, that's, it, go ahead. Like even Greg Ginn, you know, like those old SST records, but like Greg Ginn was the black flag guitar player. Like, when I was young, I wanted that. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to play like that. And then I heard the Meat Puppets and Husker Du. Then I wanted to play like that. You know. Then uh, I maybe I had sex or something, and, <laughs> and, and wanted to play slower. I don't know. Maybe I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's- but I still think about all that, like. Uh, the way uh like monk plays piano i wish i could play guitar like that like jeff parker kind of does that like yeah. he's got that but he's another le- like he's another level of guitar player like that guy's the best you think he's the best around right now he's my favorite yeah like i always love seeing him play and hearing him play yeah um have he's you, incredible but have you played with him never played with him uh you know he was doing that every month it was before covid that i was going to a place in highland park and he was playing every monday oh wow and i was going to that uh regularly fuck i wish i was was, oh man i didn't try to get you to come (laughs) to one of those mondays i think i probably did i was probably like matt you should probably come and 
I probably do yeah. this. I probably was depressed, which is the odds of that are pretty good, Tim. <laughs> I was probably depressed too. So I just sat there and listened and forgot my brain for a minute. But yeah, he's great. Yeah. I I, I love I love guitar. I love playing guitar. I thought it was interesting when you said it felt like me, because that's, is that, was you conscious of that in the moment? Like this, that arrival of that, this feels like me. And this is like, now this is how I, my voice, so to speak. Yeah. In a way, like, uh, this feels like how my body should move. Like this feels like what my voice should be doing. Um, like there's a challenge in learning how to do something and figuring out how to do something. Um, and it might feel unnatural at first, but then it feels like really, really natural to do. And that feels, that feels good. That's so a lot of the music has that. That's, that's, that's how, like, that feels good. Cause you had sex. Cause once I had sex a long time ago and made a baby. It's uh, I just find that like, the process of various ways people find their voice interesting, whether it be writing or singing or playing guitar. And it always just, I don't know. It just is a fascinating thing to me because it's, I don't know, like for some, it seems like they have this concept, this vague concept and they pursue it randomly until they stumble into it. I think that's a big part of it too. Um, and, and imitation's a huge part of it. And I never had the skill to imitate anybody the right way. So if I go, okay, I'm imitating, you know, I'm imitating Keith Richards here. It wouldn't sound like that. You know, someone who probably like knows music is like, Oh, I hear that. Like one of those songs on the new record, I was like, I was like, this is that kiss. This is a kiss song. You know, like this is the song. This is this a ripoff of the song where Kiss was ripping off uh, Rod Stewart, Hard early Rod Woman? Stewart. So, yes, I know my Kiss. That song, yeah, you know it. That song, Villagers, the title track of the record, to me, got a lot of Hard Luck Woman in there. God, I never heard that at all, and that's one of the songs that's stuck in my head. I love the song. I don't, it's something in the whole feel and melody of it where I'm just like, everybody's going to know that this is stealing from Kiss when they're stealing from Rod Stewart. <laughs> but, but yeah, no one's going to know that because we do it so wrong. <clears throat> do you, were you a Kiss fan? Did you like Kiss as a kid or? Yeah, about like sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were superheroes who played guitar. For sure. Now, how do you feel about Kiss? I haven't really given them an honest listen for many, many years. But um, they might be really fun to listen to in a really stupid way. <laughs> like the, like the, especially like the makeup off eighties <clears throat> hair oh, metal yeah. period might be hilarious to listen to. I checked some of it out, and it's like. It's a, it's, it's weird. It's just like, it's, I don't know. I, I wish I, I don't even know how to articulate it. It seems like they're trying a little hard and they're, 
overcompensating because now we know what they look like and it's not as good as everyone hoped. <laughs> <laughs> and Gene, when you see Gene Simmons' face, you're like, oh, that guy's a creep. Like, he's just undeniably creepy. But even with the makeup, his character with the makeup was pretty scary and creepy. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I mean, really, it's it's kind of like like uh, Halloween toddlers, like who want to be who, <laughs> like angry toddlers on Halloween, who yeah. just want to be scary. I don't know. Yeah, the uh, I know. Uh, I hope this isn't a painful thing to bring up, but you, I remember during the process of recording your album, you had a lot of your equipment stolen. Yeah. <laughs> was before it was before I really started um but yeah that happened I was just someone robbed a storage space oh fuck did you get any of it back that's really what I wanted to know if you ever got any of that back no I didn't get any of it back mm-hmm. and the insurance I I hate insurance people um but yeah the insurance was like uh Sorry, fuck you. Really? They didn't pay. Yeah, because the lock, they said the lock wasn't damaged. And I was like, well, then how the fuck did they get in? You know, like they must have picked the lock or had a key. I don't know how, I don't know what happened, but yeah, it sucks. Do you, did people steal your shit? Did you, uh, I guess also I was curious if that affected the creation of your album at all, if it made hindered or helped or just fucked it up. I don't know. I figured, I figured it out. Like, um, I bought some recording equipment to replace some of the things that were stolen, but I haven't replaced some of the guitars. And I had like a gigantic, this was big, like a big old Yamaha electric piano that I was really looking forward to, uh, like playing but they got that and uh that was the only thing i was like you know i wish i would have had that but we figured it out was it was it bad that i brought this up tim (laughs) i think we can (laughs) i think we can move forward from this in a good way you and i I, oh good i didn't damage your friendship good too much i that's all i did as a kid is watch tv Channel 32 and Channel 9. Yeah. That was my entire existence. <laughs> Did you watch wrestling on Channel 44 on Sundays? I never got into it, but I, for some reason I was a Dick the Bruiser fan. I like thought he was cool. Dick the Bruiser. He's the coolest. See, that was before it got fucking over the top and too big. Like That was still like small, weird pro wrestling. Yeah, it was local. Was Dick the Bruiser? Was that ads for Ben Ben's auto sales? I didn't know that was all local. So we could have seen. I think that was all like Chicago wrestling. So you could have seen Dick the Bruiser at uh, like at Gibson's or something. (laughs) (laughs) Or I saw them at my high school. Get the fuck out! You went to one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uncle took me to go because he was a wrestling fan, and he took me. And they were at the high school that I 
was going to go to. I was a little kid and it was insane. I have like weird childhood memories about it, but there was blood. There was real blood and crazy people. There were folding chairs. Those metal folding chairs were getting thrown. It was really scary. Crazy. It's But yeah, the crusher and the bruiser and like the guy, the claw guy. Yeah. It was all the, all those guys. And they all looked like maybe they were in their fifties or sixties and just big guys. A lot of them didn't have muscle. They had that. They did that old timey thing where they pulled the belt over their navel. So it didn't look like fat. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do now. (laughs) They do that in the old. I do that now. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It does look better. Like a man girdle. <laughs> I feel, and not to sound like, not to be nostalgic, but I feel, man, I feel like I was better having grown up on with those two channels, 32, 44, or three channels, and nine, and all that stuff I got to watch, because it was total different world. I don't know if they made very much uh, children's entertainment. So a lot of the stuff I remember, a lot of the stuff that we were watching after school was like made in you know pre-war or like like around World War II, <laughs> like Little Rascals and Three Studios and just like dark, scary shit. Yeah, and then on the weekends there was always Popeye cartoons. Yeah, and then the weird like Tex Avery and like I those Tex Avery cartoons and the old Warner brothers. And I tried to watch, Oh yeah. I tried to share some of those with my daughter and it gets racist fast. We were just like, Oh fuck. (laughs) (laughs) How do they, how do they like it? Uh, my daughter liked, we found safe bugs, bunnies. So bugs, bunny was good. I keep trying to turn around to Harpo Marx though, but it doesn't work for some reason. Oh man, yeah, Harpo's a genius. Harpo's the best. The uh, yeah, because that's I watched those because uh, on the weekends they would show the Marx Brothers and W. C. Fields, Abbott Costello. I couldn't get into my dad, or I couldn't get into Jerry Lewis. My dad thought I should, but I didn't. It's probably better that you didn't get into Jerry Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I missed. I missed kind of. I don't know. I liked growing up on the old stuff. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't like uh, we didn't have very we didn't have choices. And a friend of mine went back and watched, and uh, sometimes not having. <laughs> um, what? What? Oh, a friend of mine went back and watched. Uh, he went to the broadcast museum and watched a bunch of the Ray Rayners, and uh, he was like, "They're and like bozo," and he's like, "They're visibly hammered. They're like fucking drunk." Yeah. Like, local TV back then seemed like drunk Korean war veterans. <laughs> like, trying to entertain children only because that's the job they got. They weren't like, uh, you know, I really want to just help teach kids on TV. I think they were like, uh, <clears throat> I just want money for drinks, and this is the job. They probably like, do you think Ray Rayner like set out like always wanted to entertain children? No, the only one I think who wanted to entertain children, Bozo, Giggle Snort Hotel. I think that guy was legit. I think he wanted to do a kids show. 
Well, yeah, he had real skills with that clay thing that he did. <laughs> yeah. Remember that clay face? The, I think it was the blob. I, 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 uh, I tried to get him on the podcast. That was the blob. Yeah. I love that show. And I he, almost, he's alive? He was like 10 years ago, and I tried to get him on the podcast. But he wouldn't do it. I think because I just wow. had some like I had some like weather underground guys on, so I think he might might have been a little threatened. <laughs> He's like that was not the way he rolled, huh? He was like, I don't think this is a mix for me, and I was like, okay, you, okay, you don't like Black Panthers, I get it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I guess he wasn't kind of he wasn't like hippie-ish at all back then. I can't, I can't. All I can picture is that clay face crying. Yeah, I was into that. That's all, that's all I can picture and remember. Yeah, it might be terrible now that you like. I just did a lot of the things I thought were great as a kid were not so good now. But anyway, I wanted to ask about ghosts because we almost the first time you did the podcast, you were talking about ghosts in the house you had. You were at your childhood home, but you have a lot of ghosts in your songs too, especially this new one and i just i don't know i was curious about your ghost world man i always think about ghosts and i always see them everywhere you see ghosts uh, i don't know if i actually you know my imagination feels and sees things i don't know and that felt like some fucking dickhead this is a guy that I, I, he he never was nice to me. I don't think I was ever nice to him. But it's someone from high school, like commenting on things on Facebook, you know. And I, I don't like to pay a lot of attention to that. This one felt like a fucking ghost. Like it felt like uh, it felt like a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's a fucking guy from a long time ago that feels the need to say something. He's probably fine. I don't know. But it felt like a ghost. You know, like, uh, there's some places you go that feel like uh, haunted. And some people feel haunted, too. Do you ever get that feeling? Yeah. I mean... I know what you mean. Like when I bartended, there would be, I worked at an old place from the twenties that had a lot of weird history. And there were certain rooms that just, there's a certain area in that place that just felt very strange when you went in it. And I don't think it was, it just, same with a friend of mine's house. Also, there was like a room where you just felt like, Oh fuck, I'm being watched. That's what I'm talking about, you know? And then it, it's like, uh, you know, that same that same feeling and then the same feeling of, like, residual memories and, and uh, unfinished, you know, like, unfinished things that you don't want in your space, things that you don't want to be part of. I don't know. I can understand being afraid of ghosts. But I, I was having a conversation, like, I think it was like a text thing with Kyle Field um, and he started going off about this place that's a school now it might be in Malibu or up 
by the beach somewhere and it was a hospital back in the day wow and then before that it was like a um a mission you know like spanish mission wow where and all the ghost stuff there like even just talking to that like hearing his stories about the place and then reading some things about it he was sending some things to read about it made me fucking scared and I don't want to go near it <laughs> like that Scientology thing about like well uh, John Travolta's 90% clear he's okay you know that fucking thing where you go and you get audited and then okay you're clear and then your levels of clear until you can handle the news that uh, space aliens, you know, pissed and then we <laughs> sprouted from the puddle or whatever the fuck they think. <laughs> you know, like, whatever their belief system is, I don't know. I, but the whole thing about being clear, I want to be clear. I don't want psychic shit, ghost shit. I don't want any of it near me right now. I don't want to fuck with it. I don't want to go near that. You know, I think he was saying like, yeah, I want to go there. And I'm like, "Ah, don't go there. Don't go walk around. There's people going to school there. I think they should just like, I don't know what, what do you do when there's ghosts? Uh, You, you, you run. Like Abbott and Costello did. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> we're bringing it right back to that. Like when the three students were in a haunted house, they knew what to do. Get the fuck out. But they were too dumb to get the fuck out in a hurry. It always took me 15 minutes to get out. What Was there, was it, there like a f- early experience where this sort of, hit you like when you first started noticing these things or is it also a family is your family very aware of this sort of Mm. they they don't really talk about it but uh, I just always remember being like an overly sensitive person so um, I don't know I had to learn how to like later I guess as a child, I was like kind of nervous and scared and I got the feeling that all kinds of things were happening that weren't really happening. This all might be imagination and paranoia too. Um, like, cause human projections are powerful, stupid things and they could create a lot of ghosts and, and I don't know, I'm trying to be aware of like what's a projection and what's an actual feeling. But, um, but, you know, you get older and you learn to go, like, you know, that's just a thought, and a thought can't hurt me. That's just... But I had to learn how to, like, uh, empty my brain a little bit, be present more, um, you know, ground my energy, and be mostly be present, or else my brain will just, like, go all over the place and see all kinds of things that aren't really there. And if they are there, they have no bearing on anything. Yeah, I can go down those wormholes too. But on the flip, and I think it's an, a product of I grew up in a I grew up in a very violent, chaotic world, and I think I 
started being able to sense things, people mostly, as a m- mode of protection. Because, and I, oh, yeah. I got really good at, like when I, like I mentioned, I bartended, I bartended downtown LA a stone's throw from Skid Row, and I knew a fucking problem, be it well to, like well dressed or scrappy, and I, I knew trouble the second it came through the door. I got so good at it. And I've always been that way. And I just really honed yeah. it as a bartender. <laughs> but, yeah. And it's, it's, it's the same thing. Was that, do, do you think it's a bit of a product from like your childhood? Not to. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of like, uh, in the way I grew up and, and the way I remember it is there was a difference between the way things actually were and what people told children. And I remember early on, being like, uh, there's something else here. Like, like I, I remember the feeling of like not trusting early, like not trusting adults, not trusting the church, not trusting, like going, they're telling us that because they want us to be scared, like too young to um, be suspicious. I was suspicious, you know, and too young to be aware, I was aware of like, that's a bad guy or this is a bad place, you know? But again, a lot of it is, you know, I, I, I can't really say if it's projection or some other sense. I think kids you know, have good, like, I just, I think kids like, for what? I think kids have good instincts. Like if a child sense and I think our parents make, you know, they're like, you've, creepy uncle and they're like oh give uncle a kiss and you're like fuck no and they're like come on and they force you to kiss. <laughs> it's like you know or go with somebody you don't you if you're scared of a, and so i don't do that with my kids because i'm like but my kid she'll sense like she'll see somebody in the store and she'll be like i, I don't like that guy and i'm like yeah you shouldn't that's see that's good um i didn't get that oh you shouldn't i got like Oh, shut up. You're nuts. Don't give him a kiss. You know? <laughs> I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my parents just, they gave me the, it's this working class fucking Chicago stuff where it was just like, no one wanted to hear me. And if there was a problem, they didn't, they ignored it. And then. Yeah probably why I ended up becoming a performer because I was like, somebody's going to listen to me even if I have to fucking force it. Because, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. That's I, weird how that stuff goes. I mean, I'm pretty, because I was, I've always was quiet as a kid and then I discovered performing and I was like, oh, look at me go. I don't know. How old were you when you started performing? Pretty young. I had an interest around sixth grade, I would say, is the first time I got up and did something. And then I was in Second City classes at 15 and I already had been, like, trying to uh-huh. do perform. Like, I tried to start an improv group in my high school and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was making it happen. I had no concept of how to do it. <laughs> I don't know. That's really cool. And then how old were you when you actually were 
performing at Second City. I got hired at 21. You were like in, in your 20s, 21. Yeah. I was like one of the youngest yeah, that's people. Uh, it also, though, fucked me up a little bit because later in, because I was like at Second City at 21, so I was like, this shit's happening. So there, I <laughs> became a bit of entitlement of like, well, this is all going to work out. And I think somewhere, it's a lot to deal with at 21 when your brain is not fully developed and you're also abusing drugs and alcohol a lot yeah <laughs> yeah how old were you when you got like your first album and all that shit started happening um yeah probably like I think I made a record when I was like 19 it came out when I was 20 and then we did some touring but nobody paid attention. You know, like, it wasn't like anybody said, like, you're good, this is good, because it wasn't good. Um, probably when people, I don't know, we never really got, like, fame was never really a problem for us. Because <laughs> we never had it. <laughs> so, there was little things that happened here and there. But it was probably, like, 25, 26 with red red meat that people started coming to our shows and and things like that started happening and by that, that time you know we could kind of handle it there was nothing scary you know there was we were kind of in a band there was a lot there was a lot of good examples around and a lot of bad examples around and mostly um, we wanted to just play music and get better at it and, and figure out how to make records that we wanted to listen to. Yeah. That I, I always say, I, or I've recently sort of, I was like, I had just enough success and near successes to keep me delusional and pursuing it without just enough to not give up. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could say the same for myself too. I don't, but I, I see, I, I don't know, you, you're, uh, you're a big thing to me, Tim. Like, your music is a big thing to me. Oh, thanks, Matt. I mean, like, you're a big thing to me. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, uh, like, I grew up in Chicago and like, you know, Red Red Meat was omnipresent for me. And Did you come and see us play back then? No, I didn't. I didn't get to see much because I was working at Second City. I was either, like, I just, my I saw, I don't think I saw any of those Chicago bands that I loved until after I stopped working, like, in my 30s. I probably started seeing, like... Oh, wow, okay. I, I don't think, I barely saw anything, but because I worked most weekends and I couldn't, it kind of sucked because I and I like would have gone to see all the blues shit that was going on. That I I did see Sugar Blue play for four people, which was perplexing. At like Kingston Mines or one of those places, like one of those blues places on Lincoln. Like it was like when remember there was like that strip of blues clubs on Lincoln, and it was Ruby Streak, the Second City piano player, was like, "Let's go see Sugar Blue," and we went, and it was like me, her, and two other people, and I was like, "This dude's played with the fucking Rolling Stones. How is this happening?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you got this. There was some blues going on in Chicago back then, and 
it never was crowded. I remember going to the checkerboard lounge like when I was in high school. I almost did that. I wish I did had. Did that place? No, I wish I had. They I... let us in. There was, oh, like, I can't believe they did this, but they let in, like, three little white kids. They gave us beer with ice. <laughs> and then we saw, like, incredible weird ass, like, these guys playing Japanese guitar, at least these blues guys playing and I can't remember the name of anybody, but there wasn't many people there. Um, we were the only white folks there. They were, be- you know, it was beautiful. It was, it's really, really amazing to go there and, uh, and see that. But it was like this grimy, like towel floor kind of place. Um, and all I can think of was like, yeah, the Rolling Stones played here. I saw pictures of the Rolling Stones playing in that place. I was like, we've got to go there. Yeah, I think that's how so I... I don't know. It's kind of good. I got drawn to it because of rock guys playing there, and I wish I... I mean, I wish I'd have gone. I feel... I did get to go to Maxwell Street, though. I, I had that going for me. That was a trip, too, yeah. I would get those Polish sausages when I was fucking hammered at three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would kill me right now if I ate one of those. Oh, God, yeah. I don't... Uh, yeah. Just drunk eating in those days fucking murdered me. I, I should... I should. Yeah. I have moments where I'm like, oh, man, that's all going to come get me soon, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, man. Are, you're like a... Are you vegetarian or a vegan? Uh, I was a vegan, now, and then I... My kids hated it. So we uh, now I'm full full. I eat so much pork now. I, I got to knock it off. How about you? Um, right now I'm eating everything in sight. Yeah, um, but I try to keep it uh, as healthy as I can. See, like you can't vegan pizza can fuck itself. It can fuck itself all day long. Uh, yeah, I never understood like the cheese thing. They can't do like the vegan cheese thing. Or I can't eat pizza without Italian sausage. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> How's the pizza in Minneapolis? Uh, I went to one place that everyone said was great, and they put too much cheese on it. I mean, it was like all you could think about was the cheese, and I was like, "This fuck it." But the the market in this Italian place was fucking out of control. Like, I was like, okay, they're, at least they're market. Yeah, they have, like, they have this stuff. And so that, which I was worried about. Because uh, there's a lot of tall motherfuckers here. There's, like, fucking 15-year-olds who are six. They'll be, they're, like, six five, And I'm like, you're 15. You probably can still grow. Like, what are you going to do? It's crazy. Oh, man. You know, in another time, you just take those guys out when they're young. You have to get them to fear you early. You made me spit take. Those tall ones. Sorry. <laughs> you got to get those tall. Like, if you see a tall 15-year-old, just hamstring him. Like go down low and knock him down. Get him when he's not ready, and then he'll know to take a step away from you when he's grown up. Yeah, they're all Vikings, though. They might come at me with, like, a stone axe or something. That Viking spirit is dead in those people, especially if you, like, bruise them up when they're young. <laughs> I don't really condone hitting children, but when they're tall, 
I think you can. It's self-defense. You're there. It's like a, yeah. What, what, whatever it's they, investing in the future. Yeah. Yeah, because like I'm scared now. They won't fuck with you later. That's right. And, and they all are. They're all blonde and blue-eyed. It's like. It's like. Aryan wet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> all the more reason to do like a, for a preemptive strike. Get them now. Make them scared. Uh, I can fear you. I did though when you. I used to. I had a girlfriend because uh, I wanted to. I wanted to tell you this the last time. I had a girlfriend who cheated on me all the time with pretty much every band in in Chicago. Like, and so my joke was she slept with every member of Red Red Meat. <laughs> which I don't think she did, but she was, but that was, don't tell me your name because you know, <laughs> she might have, she might don't have, tell me her name. I wouldn't be surprised. She dated some, she cheated on me with the singer from the band, the cupcakes, which was that. I don't know if you remember that two seconds, that band was signed to. Dream. I do. Yeah. That was, that was the final straw. <laughs> I think that's grounds for, for splitting up. <laughs> like that was before, like, uh, like because she could have, like nowadays, nowadays she'd be like, you know, Matt, we got this thing. I really like you, but I'm polyamorous. I'm going to be doing anything I want. I just want you to be conscious of that, you know? And then you might've been like, cool. I'm polyamorous too. I'll just see you Tuesday. <laughs> She was. So do your cupcake thing. Like you go to Lounge Axe, hang out. I'll see you Tuesday. Just give me Tuesdays. Or then when they turned Lounge Axe into a martini bar, which is. Uh, is that what it is now? That's what it became shortly after. It, that was wow. that was heart wrenching. Though I'd only been there a handful of times. I never. I saw Jim Carroll read there. I think that's fucking it. And I, oh, I think I had drinks there once. Well, we kind of lived in that place. I've, that's I remember a, being there all the time. It's a regret that I, but I mean, like I was working, so it wasn't, but I just, I've regret, like I've then maybe it's, maybe that's nostalgia, Tim. Maybe I'm wishfully wanting something that didn't happen for me. At least you're not nostalgia for like, you know, I remember when white people didn't have to take their own trash out, <laughs> you know, like at least that's not your nostalgia. And I remember when, you know, like we need, we need to get back to that with President Trump, you know, like I, like that's the shitty fascist nostalgia that is horrible and in whatever, what it's whatever works. Like I just can't. I don't want to, I don't want to go over, I would rather like do some stuff now than like, uh, just, uh, regret things or, or compare things all the time. You it, know, it was never, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. It, this country was never really great. It's like, when was the great time? <laughs> it's like, uh, ask, ask the uh, Cherokee when the great times were. <laughs> it's like, I think even before Europeans got here, there was some great times and some shitty times. 
but they kind of knew what was coming. Yeah. You know, those tribes were like, they were warring and trading with each other too. Like everywhere, like humans in general are beautiful and shitty. Um, and they always have been, but yeah, uh, Europeans coming here was, uh, that's some, that's some genocide, but yeah. Are you going to be touring? Yeah. I don't know what's going to, uh, yes. Are you coming to St. Paul, Minneapolis? I think so. Uh, trying to figure all that out. We have, um, East coast in June. We're just doing little short tours. So like six or seven shows at a pop. So East coast is in June. West coast is in July. Um, and then I think, uh, maybe September. We're going to, whenever we go play Chicago and play the Midwest, we'll play out there. Uh, I love it out there. Yeah. Cause you're moving here, right? This is what I want to ask you because you said to me early in one of the emails or texts or something that you also compared the album to like a Steely Dan vibe, and I didn't. I was I I'm not I'm not Steely Dan savvy. I didn't know if you were being facetious or are you a Steely Dan fan? I don't hate Steely Dan, um, but I don't really pursue listening to Steely Dan. When they come on the radio, I usually like it. Like Tom Petty, I feel the same way about. I don't have any Tom Petty records, but when he comes on the radio, I usually like it. Um, I probably have some Steely Dan records. Uh, I think that was like uh, over-obsessing details in the recording studio. So that uh, whenever it gets deep, we're like, we're in the Steely Dan territory now. When we start getting like uh, microscopic about things, that people won't really notice. Do you appreciate them as producers? Because that's what everybody points to. I, I kind of, I listen to Steely Dan and I can't help but get the imagery of a guy having a midlife crisis in a convertible who's got a half a gram of Coke and a sex worker with him. That's what that music evoke, provokes in my brain. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. That sounds like a good time to me. Um, it just feels very like yeah. white guy to me, and maybe that's it I'm, is. It is that, but it's also like uh, you know the production is very like uh, sterile. And the playing is very, like, overly competent. And um, and the songs are really catchy. And that's, I don't know. Like, I can't make an argument. I don't, I guess I don't care that much. But <laughs> whatever. We're, like, if I'm referring to Steely Dan, like, you're like, how are you doing? Are you making a record? And I'm like, yeah, we're getting into the Steely Dan phase of things where we're just obsessing over things. And uh, and sometimes that's a good thing to do, and sometimes that's just like, ah, fucking just finish it. You know? But sometimes when you're obsessing over things, you find some good stuff to do. Because 
I don't think our record sounds like Steely Dan. No. But but there's some like um there's some detail to the recording. And there's clarity to it. Do you do you sometimes have to just because I've been writing these short pieces lately and I'll go over it a thousand times and then it gets to the point where sometimes I'm like okay it's good but I force myself to go through it a few more times because I keep finding stuff do you get to the point where you're like where you sort of said like you just go all right fuck it I just got to it's got to be done and that's it or do you keep obsessing um I try to get to the point where nothing is bothering me when nothing bothers me it's good. Um, I remember being in the studio with my friend's band a long, long time ago, and they were dancing to their own music. They were all dancing. And uh, I was like, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know? So, and this time I remembered it, and I was like, you know, this is about, there's joy here <laughs> when we're when we're making this and being with these people that I make music with and working on this stuff, there's joy in this. This is joyful. This is beautiful. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to, it's a pleasure to do it. But usually when something is like, it, it tells you when it's done, but, um, sometimes getting to the point, is uh, a slog and you got to make a lot of mistakes to get to the good stuff sometimes as you know I like it honest lost it in the promised land so like parking calculator trying on some new names someday 